Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the fifth chapter of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to see you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go, the, go, off, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that may you be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil of you. What reward do you have? Do even the tax collectors do the same? And if, and if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. At our past council retreat in January, we were getting to know each other and reflecting on what was important to us. And one of, and during one of the introductions, one of the men said that he was starting to read a book called Love Your Enemies. He was sick of all the negativity, especially when it came to politics, and this book got his attention. Is there another way? Is there a way for us to treat each other, especially within our political climate, that allows each of us to stay true to our beliefs, but also to understand our neighbor who won't radically change their beliefs in order to be able to get along? It wasn't about neutrality or can't we just all get along. It was more about disagreeing gracefully. And so as the author, Arthur Brooks, was attempting to explain how decent citizens can now save our society from the culture of contempt, he put it, it helps us to think about how we get away from this culture of of hatred. How do we get away from that feeling of animosity? And so I think about when Jesus is giving us that same message, he says, love your enemies. Oftentimes, we might not think that's what he's talking about. That's not Jesus. But in reality, Jesus is telling us to do the same thing. Our our misconceptions about Jesus might put him in this box of, oh, when we think about Jesus, oh, he's just peace-loving hippie out there, just out in the wilderness. Just everybody get along. I love Jesus. Okay, yeah, let's all just get along. That's not quite right, is it? Because, I mean, if that's the case, then why would Jesus, I mean, here's, here's the deal. If anybody asks you, what would Jesus do? Remind them that flipping over tables and chasing them with a whip is within the realm of possibilities. (laughs) Jesus has emotions. He's not telling his followers to be pushovers. So his sermon today is actually part of a larger sermon. It's a message that begins with a blessing. A bunch of people who've never been blessed before, remember? The Beatitudes, you are blessed And then he goes from there to say, you are the salt of the earth. Not you will be, 
You are the salt of the, wor- of the earth. You are the light of the world. The people are told all of this within the backdrop of a world filled with a lot of obstacles and, let's be honest, a lot of enemies. New, uh, New Testament theologian N.T. Wright talks about how dangerous that world was. He said, pagan nations have overrun the land and made the people subject to harsh rules and taxes. There are just as many dangers within as movements of national resistance spring up, which are fueled by anger at the increasing injustice and wickedness within Jewish society, with a few becoming very rich and the majority becoming poor. Some very, very poor. And so he asks, and he writes, how did Jesus' kingdom message apply to them? And does it apply today? Eh, Yeah, I think it does. When we hear this message about old justice, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This isn't really that foreign to us. Just watch my younger kids play with each other. If one of them gets hurt, you know the other one doesn't say, you know, I'm just going to think about this and what is the loving response? The immediate response, if they get hit or pinched, even if it's an accident, they're going to pinch in response. Thank God, eventually they grow out of that. But Christ takes that theory and that philosophy to the extreme. It's better to have no vengeance at all, but to have a creative way forward reflecting the patient love of God who wants Israel to shine God's light into the the whole world so that all people will see that this is the one true God. So how does that play out? We get some examples. If, if someone strikes you on the cheek, offer up the other. If someone sues you because they want your coat, give them your cloak too and be completely naked. If someone, perhaps a soldier, comes along and says, take my stuff for a mile, which they have the right to do, say, after a mile, keep going. When they say your mile is up, go the second mile. These are not invitations to have people walk all over us. This isn't about not standing up for ourselves, because context matters. In a land of Roman occupation, retaliation was not what they could do. So Jesus, knowing that you aren't going to retaliate, says, well, let's go a little bit further. Let's put all of our chips in the middle. If if injustices are being done to you, give the enemy even more. And copy your generous God. What if you surprise a soldier with the news that there's a different way to be human? A way that doesn't plot revenge or grudgingly says all of these nasty names? Think about how surprised the soldier would be if you continue to keep walking. N.T. Wright suggests that these are examples that Jesus is using as sketches of how to behave no matter what situation you're in. What would it mean to reflect God's generous love despite the pressures and ways that were provoked? Or maybe about thinking of our own anger or frustration. It feels like our ability to be civil with one another is dwindling away. Kindness and compassion, oh my gosh, it feels like these are such rare traits anymore. Are we losing these traits in our communities? When that book was suggested during the council retreat, Love Your Enemies, I was already in that mindset to say, that's something I would really be interested in. And when I ordered the book, I was really curious as to how this was going to happen. 
Sounds great. Sounds great in theory. How are you going to make that happen? One of my favorite bits of advice that Arthur Brooks says in his book is regards to engaging with someone that you respect or engaging with respect with someone that you completely see differently. And his advice is this. No one is ever insulted into agreement. Right? Get called names. Told you're stupid. Question who you are or your identity. Oh, sure, I would love to agree with you. That doesn't work. So he has five solutions. These are his five rules to stand up to a culture of contempt. First, stand up to the man. Refuse to be used by the powerful. Uh, And this isn't actually standing up to the man as in uh, the opposing. It's actually be be careful and mindful of those those voices that echo the things that we want to hear. He suggests checking our biases. Tune in to other voices. Listen to the voices that might have opposing views. Now, sometimes we love those voices that just continue to pile on and help build our case. He said, listen to those in moderation. Unless the person is actually teaching you something or expanding your worldview or improving your moral outlook, you might be getting used. Second, escape the bubble. Go where you're not invited and say things that people don't expect. Try listening to other voices, sources that can look critically at the bigger picture and speak truth. Do you have friendships with people who have a different point of view? This is modeled so well at old guys. We have a couple of guys who are just anchored in their opposing political beliefs, yet they they get together and they love to be able to engage in dialogue, knowing that sometimes that it'll get a little dicey, but they have a great conversation because they've gone outside of their bubble. Seek those people who will help you understand others better. Third, say no to contempt. Treat others with love and respect, even when it's difficult. This is probably the hardest, right? No insults, no mockery, no breaking that eighth commandment, folks. Bear false witness. Okay. Don't do it even if the person deserves it. It's going to feel good in the moment, but it won't bring about understanding. People can be persuaded to see the truth, but not if they're told that they're worthless. Disagree better. Be part of a healthy competition of ideas. This is one of the points that he makes that I found fascinating. Arthur Brooks is pro-disagreement. He wants us to disagree. He said disagreement is good. It's conflict is healthy. Competition breeds excellence. Just don't do it by following number three, right? Disagreement helps us innovate and improve and correct and find the truth. Engage then in earnest debate while treating everyone with love and respect while doing it. And the way to make all of these maybe come together the best is to remember sometimes we need to disconnect more from the unproductive debates. He even suggests unplugging from social media at times, giving ourselves a break. He says, selectivity and rationing are the keys. Resolve to pay attention to the ideas, not just the blanket uh, agreement with whoever you think you're supposed to agree with. All of these ideas get presented 
And then Brooks does something fascinating. He then takes it back to Jesus. He compares this work of loving our enemies to entering the mission field. Do all of these things, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be related to politics. It could be related to a disagreement within our families. It could be related to something that we're not seeing eye to eye at work. It's about a mindset. This is heart work. Go back into the mission field, and it doesn't matter if it's somebody that you tend to perceive as an enemy or someone that you are wired to love. Sometimes we treat the ones that we love and we forget some of these rules. Go into the mission field and know that we have a mission to share that message of joy and confidence and love. Brooks says, you know what our world needs? More love and less contempt. It begins with us, and we can do this. That Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives... It's not just about what we can do. It's really about Jesus. Jesus, as he's laying out all of these things for his listeners that day, is actually showing us the blueprint of what he will do. And then the last thing that we read today, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. To read this or to hear this and be told, be perfect. Whew, good luck. Be perfect like Jesus, like the Heavenly Father? I can't do that. Jesus isn't asking us to be perfect. Jesus became perfect and righteous. He did that on the cross. But that doesn't mean that we don't have any skin in the game. Be like Christ. Follow Jesus' lead. And he writes, ties it all together. He says, when they struck Jesus, he took the pain. When they put the worst Roman equipment on his back, the cross, he carried it the extra mile to his own execution. And when they nailed him to it, what did Jesus do? He prayed for them. Jesus asks nothing from his followers that he won't face And he hasn't faced himself. He faces the cross. And it's a perfect love. We love our enemies. Even the ones that put him to death. And the ones that we walk beside daily. We can't be perfect. We make mistakes. Even when we try to show more care and compassion to our neighbors, we will mess up continuously. We are so messy on the outside. But what does Jesus ask of us in our hearts? Show God's love. Show that heart. And copy the love of God. Copy the love of our generous God with the world. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, 
to financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.